I'm Bill Corbett, author of the book Love, Limits, and Lessons, A Parent's Guide to Raising Cooperative Kids, and I've spent over 25 years working with parents and teachers with children with challenging behaviors. By listening to this Creating Cooperative Kids podcast, you'll learn techniques for getting your kids to cooperate with you, and the result will be having children who are more loving and fun to be with. These techniques are respectful to both you and your child, and when practiced over and over, you'll find yourself with more peace and calmness in your home or in your classroom if you're a teacher. One day, my eight-year-old daughter didn't arrive home from school as she normally did. I was working from home on this day and quickly became worried. I headed down the street and began retracing her steps back to the local elementary school. As I approached a tall fence that surrounded a ball field, I saw her at the back of the field and began to run toward her. She was being held down by three taller girls who were punching and kicking her. I screamed, get away from her now, and the three girls ran away. I got down on my knees and I held my daughter so tight, imagining what could have happened if I hadn't been home to go looking for her. I don't have to tell you that bullying is a huge problem for our children's safety and well-being. Many national organizations that track statistics state that, on average, one in three children report being bullied in some fashion, and the results of bullying can be severe. Parents feel powerless when they hug their children goodbye, fearing they may be bullied or subjected to some level of abuse by bullies. But I can tell you that there are things parents can do every day to work toward raising their children to become more bullyproof. In this episode, I was a featured guest on the Total Tutor radio show, and I offered a few tips on how to raise bullyproof kids. One of the most important tips you're going to hear me discuss is allowing your kids to speak up for themselves. When a child is allowed to speak their mind, discuss their dreams, or just feel like they're being heard, it becomes easier for them to speak up for themselves when approached by a bully or an adult. When they are confronted by a bully, you want them to have the courage to speak up and yell, no, or leave me alone, or to just scream help. But this courage is not developed the way it should be if the child's parents are constantly telling them what to do, or speaking for them, or telling them they shouldn't feel a certain way, or simply just not listening. I watched a father and his young son shopping in a grocery store the other day. In fact, this just happened yesterday. The boy appeared to be about 8 to 10 years of age. The man was continuously snapping instructions at his son, what he could or could not touch, what he could or could not say. He was even controlling how many steps ahead of the shopping cart he could walk. This total control of his son was robbing the boy of expressing himself and being heard. By the end of the shopping experience, it was easy to tell that the little boy was just mechanically walking next to the carriage, afraid to even speak or move. If the father does this regularly, in other words, at home or other places, not just in the store, which I bet he does, he is training his son to succumb to the control of whoever is bigger and stronger than he is at that moment. And the worst part is he may eventually learn to be this way to others smaller and weaker than he is. This is how many bullies are created in the first place. Controlled youth go on to control other youth, and adults who were controlled go to control other kids and adults. 
Listen now to my interview, and in the conclusion, I'll offer you some tips that will help your child begin developing the courage you want him or her to have to be able to speak up and be heard. We're back to the Total Education Network radio program. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley, and now I want to welcome Bill Corbett from Cooperative Kids. Bill, how are you today? I'm doing excellent, Neil. Doing excellent. I wanted to present something different, a different off the flip side of this whole bullying issue. And okay. I wanted to present four specific things that parents can do to raise their kids bully-proof. That means arming their kids to protect themselves uh, against those bullies. Wow. I like that because that's, again, when uh, at schools we try to teach the kids to, to be able to stop bullying uh, the first place, not the bullier, stopping the bullier, but uh, creating these uh, suggestions for the people involved in this bullying, either the people that are observing to the child, but this is great. The parents are now going to teach the child ways of stopping to be able to, to, I guess, armor, a shield, right, Bill, to say, uh, shield themselves away from those bullies, right? Yeah, and I'm going to offer four very specific things that parents can be do, begin doing right away. So parents who are listening may want to get a pencil and paper and write some of this stuff down. And, and Neil, I encourage you to challenge me on these and, and uh, you know, let's, let's discuss these because they're each in, in, in their own right are very complex topics. So let's start with the first one. Uh, the, the very first one, number one, is I always encourage parents to talk less. And in fact, let their kids do more talking. Parents are today running um, 90 miles an hour, trying to keep up with multiple jobs. The world is more stressful. There's so much going on. They're trying to pay the bills. The parents have a very difficult life compared to the parents of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. You know, we've got to stop talking so much to our children and let them talk more. Now, here's the reason why this is an important point. When a child is allowed to speak up and, and is given the option to speak more, that's how the, the brain works. You know, like when, when we talk things out, how many of us just would like to talk things out? We don't necessarily want anybody to tell us what the answer is uh, a lot of the times. We just want to have a, say your significant other or best friend say, here, hear me out for a minute. And so you talk about an idea and suddenly you're in your brain the neurons begin firing and you go, wow, this makes sense. Or, no, I figured out another solution to the problem just by talking about it. But all too often parents are in this efficiency mode of, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to go over here. You need to go do that. You need to do this. And they're bossing their kids around. And it's not because a lot of times parents are mean. They, don't, they actually have good intentions. But they're so much in an efficiency mode of it's just easier to tell my kid what to do so we can get on to the next item. But um, there's things that we can do in talking less and letting them talk more. Like when your child walks up to you and says, why is the sky blue? All right, I'm going to start with a simple one, especially with a little kid. Why is the sky blue, Mommy? Well, parents feel they have to go right into the scientific explanation because deep inside, embedded in the parent, is this fear that my kid's not going to get it right. So I've got to straighten them out right away and tell them exactly why. You know, And if you're driving with a little bit of an older child and they say, why do we have stop signs? Well, because of this, Sonny, let me tell you why. But the best thing we can do in talking less and letting them talk is to say, I'm not sure. What do you think? 
And amazing things happen when we stop talking so much and we actually turn it over and give our child the space in the room to come up with their own ideas because a lot of times they already know or they learn more by, by speaking. What do you think about that one, Neil? Well, let me talk about this. I mean, when you're saying don't talk as much, let listen to the child, uh, I agree that some of the spouting off is something that sometimes parents talk too much, way too much, that it, 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 they lose their credibility with the kids. They constantly lecture to the point where, okay, especially if you're talking to a teenager or a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, they're just going to tune them out. But I think talking is very important at points in time. And I think that talking to your kids in a more of a friendship style might be a better option than lecturing. What do you think, Bill? Well, let's get to the let's get to the bottom line here, though. All right, we're talking about how to raise your kids to become bullyproof. They've got to have the courage to speak up. But too many parents are telling them what to do, whether it's in the tone of a friend or lecturing as an autocratic parent. We've got to give them the courage. When children are given the opportunity to speak up more, that they take that courage with them into the schoolyard. And, and over time, eventually develop that same courage to speak up to others. So we've got to use our time with them at home to practice letting them speak up and talk more. I, I think that that's, that's a very good point. How are they going to know what's going on if they don't allow their kids to talk? Is that what you're trying to explain, Bill? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there's times where we have to talk. I didn't say don't talk. I said talk less, which means determine okay. which... Which opportunities are there that I can keep quiet and let my child do the talking? One of the things that bugs me is when you walk up to somebody and you go, "Oh my gosh, what a what a beautiful dress you have on, little girl!" And tell me about it. And the parent goes, "Oh, I bought that at Walmart. It was on sale." I don't want to hear from the parent. I ask the child the question. So too many parents are ready to speak up for their kids. Yes, they are. They don't allow the kids to speak, and then we wonder why they don't say hello to us, Bill. Yeah, you know, so. and then they're they're afraid to speak up on the, they're afraid to speak up in the classroom or, or on the playground. So let's go to number two. Stop doing too much for them. Stop putting their socks on for them. Stop doing their homework for them. Stop doing their chores for them if they don't get them done. Stop packing their their book bag or their lunch. Stop doing their laundry for them when they're twelve and thirteen. You've got to pay attention to make sure that you're raising capable kids because. In the home, again, parents are in efficiency mode, and they do too much for their children. The children aren't going to learn, grow up to become more capable. And by being capable, it means doing things on their own. And by doing things on their own, it again, it goes back to developing this inner strength, this inner courage. Like, man, I can do this for myself. And, and you know what? We can connect that to our own. When we're given more autonomy in our jobs and we're given more responsibility to do stuff on our own, we grow faster as an individual. We become more professional. We become more skilled at doing these things. I'm always encouraging parents to stop doing too much for them and let them do the things on their own that they need to do. Uh, you know, and like I said, the child's 11 or 12 or 13, and you're, you're tired of, of having the argument about why their clothes aren't in the hamper or laying on the floor, turn that over to them. Set up a, an hour on a Saturday and give them a, a, an instruction on how to use the washer and dryer and start turning some of these things over to our kids. But isn't it our job, Bill, to go ahead and help our kids and to do things for them? 
Yeah, and, but defining that's what's important, Neil, by setting our kids up with the skills they need. For example, the laundry. You doing their laundry for them, yeah, that helps them, but it also creates an incapable kid. But when you help them by giving them instructions on how to do their own laundry and turn that responsibility over to them, it actually lifts the burden off of the parent and puts the uh, responsibility on the child to create a more responsible child. That does make sense. I mean, you don't want your kids to not be able to do anything, so when they're finally on their own, they're just worthless and just can't do anything. So I think you're right. Maybe that is a good suggestion to kind of allow them the opportunity to do things on their own. And maybe fall sometimes as well, Bill. Yeah, exactly. The fail. If you said fail, they've got to fail. It's the failures that that make us stronger. And so you've got to let your kids make mistakes. You've got to let them, and don't be ready to run in there and necessarily rescue them if you don't have to. And don't go in there running in there to scold them either. Let the failure do the speaking, not you. We have so many opportunities for their experiences to speak to them, uh, and that is actually more of a learning opportunity than what any parent could actually say. Okay, I think that that's a good thing in allowing them that possibility, but I think as a parent, it just seems like a lot of times we don't want to deal with the headaches either. We don't want to hear them crying and complaining, so we just do it for them. Right, because it's easier. Exactly. It's easier, and I don't have to deal with the headaches, and I know things will be done right. But again, we're talking about how to raise a child bully-proof. It's all in getting them to speak up and do things on their own because when they're confronted with a bully on the playground, you're not going to be there to raise them and there protect them. You're, you're, we're setting up our kids to become bully-proof so that when you're not around, they can keep themselves safe. Okay. Well, so far you've provided some fantastic suggestions so far. What's the next one? Number three is reduce their screen time. That means it's time to put some limits, some uh, boundaries around how often and how long they play on the computer, play their video games, um, on their cell phone, uh, whatever, you know, whatever they're doing. What truly builds the inner strength is time alone by yourself uh, when you can think. We as adults come up with some very powerful ideas when we think. Probably my, personally, where I come up with a lot of my great ideas is when I'm in the shower. It is amazing. When I'm in the shower, I've got no music, I've just got the water, and my eyes are closed, and I'm thinking about stuff. That I, I swear, every time I come out of the shower, I run uh, into the room where my wife is, and I tell her, I just came up with a great idea. She says, oh boy, what did you come up with in the shower this time? We've got to give our kids that opportunity to be where they can be alone and quiet, quiet time in their room, quiet time sitting out under a tree, and, and shut off some of that, uh, that noise. But sometimes when you leave them alone, Bill, that can lead to mischief. Well, now, not if you don't have uh, devices around them to create that mischief. We've got to let our kids go outside and play outside in the backyard and do things without entertainment electronics turned on all the time. Okay, I see. So, meaning not the electronic. I remember the timer you talked about last last time, and that was a fantastic suggestion to pull out that timer so that those activities are done at certain times. But then, when they're having alone time by themselves, make sure it's productive alone time, not just alone time. Because a lot of times, if it's alone time with unmonitored stuff, the internet, video games, the telephone, sometimes that can lead to a lot of problems. Yep, definitely. 
All right. So, so far you've provided some fantastic uh, points. Well, first of all, we're looking at uh, making them more independent in a lot of ways. Uh, the ability to talk more, to communicate more. And last but not least, be able to be, have some alone time. What's that fourth suggestion? Yeah, and you, you, we, we, can't, we can't control what a bully does necessarily. And what we need to do is concentrate on our own child. Obviously, if you are raising a bully, then you're going to have to do something about it. But look, right now, we're, we're talking about how to raise your kids bully-proof. So I offered the, the first three things is to talk less, let them do more talking, stop doing too much for them because uh, you want to raise capable children because capable children are more capable of standing up for themselves. And uh, the third one was reduce the screen time so that they have more time alone to think and become more peaceful. I, I, know, I have some people in my life who the TV come, goes on the first thing that they wake up and they've got noise going on around them all the time. Now, I know some of these people say, well, that's what helps me think. Well, that's fine. But with, with kids, what we really need to do is is minimize that, that interference around them and yes. allow allow their inner voice to come out so they can hear that inner voice because that's a guidance system. Our inner voice was set up, and some people, uh, like your first guest, probably believe it's God's voice, and I do too, actually. But that, that inner good. voice that guides us, that, that sets red flags up for us to pay attention to, you, will, you are less likely to see and pay attention to those red flags if you have been raised to have noise going on around you all the time, or video screens are always being playing video games, you'll, you'll miss those cues that our inner voices are, you know, the inner voice is supposed to be guiding us, our intuition, you know. So, so the last one here, the fourth one is avoid giving children, and I, and you know what, Neil, I'm sorry that you may get some hate mail over this one. Avoid giving social media applications to children and young teens. I'm talking about MySpace, Facebook, email accounts, um, unsupervised or, or cell phones with no parent controls. Avoid doing that because what you're doing is you're actually giving them a door to the bullies to access your kids. Uh, Facebook was intended and created for adults, not children. Facebook, yeah, on their site they, it, says, uh, it says that it's for kids 13. I would love to find a way to fight that because it's it's not. Parents read that and go, oh, okay, well, as soon as you turn 13, you can have a Facebook account. In my book, they shouldn't be until they're 15 or 16 to give them those kinds right. of things. So when we give our kids those social media applications and devices, you're setting them up to have a one-way avenue from the bullies to access your kids. Well, Bill, I agree for the most part. But what about when you're talking about our world today? If you keep them away from the Facebook to 15 or 16, then they're not able to really connect with friends. They're not learning how to network. They're not learning how to uh, be able to really uh, make connections. I think that it's something that should be taught earlier. Why am I wrong? Because when kids are plugged into the social media devices too soon, they lose a grip on the one-on-one interactive inter interaction. 
sending people a, a message, texting people, or sending them a message on Facebook is is not the same as two-way communication. Um, they're doing studies now because it's too early, and I, I can't wait a couple years down the road when they finally reverse re- release the information available on on um, the impacts to this. Kids are losing out on the on the, the benefit of learning. You know, the one-on-one encounter, the person-to-person, face-to-face. That's just one of the impacts to this thing. I, I challenge you, Neil. Tell me one reason why we should give uh, kids, you know, um, children and young teens Facebook. Well, I don't know if there's any, any good reasons. You're right. I mean, I think it's a situation where when you're saying 15 or 16, I'll challenge you to say, I don't think, I think maybe till high school. But I get, I mean, I'm not high school till college because in high school, they just, uh, they don't understand relationships. A lot of times we see, we're seeing, you know, the research out there of kids that date during high school. How many of them end up uh, with I, just not very good marriages down the line or situations where in high school they're, just, they're emotionally not ready. They're like ticking time bombs, Jason told me before, teenagers, and that they really don't have any ability to really make the right decisions. Well, the the thing, the thing you have to realize is when when kids are in, when children and young teens are using you know the, the Facebook, they are more susceptible to um, bullies. But the bigger thing is, there the risks to their safety are much greater than the benefits for them having it. Now, some people say, well, they won't be um, they won't be internet savvy. Uh, like other kids will be. I'm telling you, it doesn't take long to become internet savvy. Um, it doesn't take five, six years to develop skills on how to how to put up a Facebook post or how to answer an email. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. And so my point is that the 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 number of risks outweigh any benefit to a child having a Facebook page. But this is a very volatile topic, and I I. I get feedback on my site, both in support of what I'm saying and against. So I know a lot of people have different opinions on that. But my point is there, there's no need for them to have MySpace and Facebook and email and, and unsupervised cell phones until they get into high school. Because they have a little bit more uh, responsibility at this point in time. They understand the responsibilities of relationships at this point. When they're younger, they don't. They just think, it, and, and a lot of times they make the wrong decisions. And there are so many childhood predators out there that could uh, prey on them and also those bullies. Those bullies are waiting for people to become a, get in a chat room or be involved in a base, Facebook discussion so they can humiliate kids. Because uh, so, bullies' are plan is to figure out ways to hurt their feelings. And this is definitely a forum where it can happen, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, and uh, it's very easy to conceal your true identity uh, over the Internet. Uh, you don't really know who you're talking to. You don't really know who your kids are talking to. Uh, it, it's it's important. Uh, to, well, well, look at that movie that came out. What was, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Fish something or other, where the woman had uh, created all these personalities. It was one woman, and she had conned these gu- these guy, this guy into thinking that she was uh, dating him over the Internet. And so... Oh, it was called. I think it was called catfish or something like that. Okay. But we, you have no idea who your kids are communicating with, and you can't leave your kid with a wireless laptop overnight in their room 
or, or anyway, along with a television and a cell phone. I, I'm telling you, the number of people, the parents I've worked with, the big problem is they give them cell phones and Facebook accounts when they're little because it's cute. But then the, it gets it worse. The child develops, their curiosity grows. They begin to uh, connect with kids who are not being supervised. And, and one of the biggest complaints I get is, my child is 15, and she's now um, crawling out of her bedroom window using her cell phone to set up, you know, meetings with boys. What do I do? Well, it's too late. You gave them all this stuff to create all these silent secrets. Look at the, there was a, uh, what happened? The girl in New Hampshire, 11-year-old, they just found her body. The last time her parents saw her was sitting at her computer in a bedroom, and then she disappeared. So I see how you think it's a, such a very important thing. Now, Bill, you've given us these four great suggestions, four great tips. Uh, is there anything you want to add to this bully-proof uh, identity you want your kids to develop? You want to, the whole bottom line is you want to create a relationship with your child so that they can come to you with any issue. And if we're constantly scolding them, punishing them, yelling at them, um, you know, we're being like our parents were in essence. I don't know about you, but I never want, I, I stopped wanting to go to my parents because I knew whatever I was going to say was wrong or was going to get me in trouble. Right. We need to create that relationship to make them feel free to come to you uh, on for anything, especially if there's a bullying situ situation going on. You want them to come to you and say, I'm having this problem with this kid at school, Mom. What do you think I should do? But you won't have that relationship if you're constantly, like I said, scolding and reprimanding and punishing and, and being the autocratic parent. Well, so the important thing is that relationship, that friendship you need to bond with your kids and not give in to everything, but ultimately so that they have relationships that, so they'll want to come to you they want to tell you what's going on and aren't going to be afraid to. Right, and that's and that and what helps that is you talk less and let them talk more. That gives them to the the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to my mom about this. I'm going to go talk to dad about this because they've been trained that I can talk about stuff without getting into trouble or without getting lectured. Right, that's so true. So, Bill, where can we find more information on you, your books? your television show and your website. Yeah, I've got a couple I've got a book series out called uh, Love Limits and Lessons: A Parent's Guide to Raising Cooperative Kids. It's been translated into Spanish. Um, I've now created the television version of that book called Creating Cooperative Kids. It runs on 35 community access channels in the mainly in the New England region and I'm adding stations all the time. And it's a one-hour program, but everything can be found right there on my website, www.cooperativekids.com, cooperativekids.com, and you can actually watch the TV show for free right online. Um, my book is available there. I've got a CD out. Uh, there's all kinds of free resources. I write a syndicated column that runs in parenting magazines. Always a pleasure, and always you provide such great information to the Total Education Network families out there, because we all know that being a parent is not the easiest thing in the world. It's very tough. Yeah, very tough, very tough. The parents need a lot of help, and, they, and, there's, and there's a lot of great help out there for them. To help your child develop the courage to speak up to someone who may attempt to control them, here are some tips you can begin using immediately. Take opportunities at least once a day to be in the moment with your child to listen and really hear them. This requires getting to their eye level making and keeping eye contact, and letting them speak. 
It also requires that you not speak, or at least not the beginning of your moment with them. If you feel compelled to talk, ask questions to draw out more from your child by saying things like, tell me more, or, and then what happened, or, and what happened next, or, why do you think she did that, or, I love it when you tell me things, or using simple expressive words like, wow, or really, or oh my, and make sure your responses are sincere. I encourage parents to have one of these 100% moments at least once a day with each child. Children love these and may ask for them after they've experienced them. Finally, avoid speaking for your child and definitely avoid controlling their words and actions, like the father I saw in the grocery store. As weird as this may sound, there was a news story a few years ago that revealed that a pair of teenage girls working at an ice cream store down south was getting spanked by their boss whenever they did something wrong in their duty serving ice cream. When the authorities discovered this had been going on for some time, they asked the girls why they didn't report this earlier. The girls said that they were each spanked well into their teenage years and that they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. What kinds of control are you using on your child right now that they might think is a normal behavior for others to use on them? If you have questions that I can answer for you, I hope you'll consider joining my Raising an Independent Child Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you and help you implement some of these ideas. But let me caution you, don't try to implement everything you learn in this podcast, especially all at once. It could overwhelm you. Pick just one or two tips at a time and do them over and over. Then replay the episodes at a later time to learn more. If you need more clarification or help with implementing my tips, contact me on my Facebook page and I'll help you make them work. Thanks again for listening and please consider sharing or subscribing to this podcast. All information in this podcast is the property of Bill Corbett and Cooperative Kids Publishing. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.